Welcome to the Altitude Church Message of the Week. We are a community of believers that gather in person and online to experience the power of Jesus in our lives and in our community. As you listen to this message, we hope you will have the opportunity to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. So as we start this Advent season, let me begin with a question. What is your favorite Christmas special? Think about that for a moment. Maybe if you're online, you'll drop that in the comments section. If you're here in the room, maybe linger a little longer afterwards, because this question's going to mean more in a minute than it seems to at first. So when I ask that, does that mean movie, right? Uh, Maybe you prefer Home Alone, or maybe it's Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, Do you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, or have you watched Elf? 34 times already. I saw some people do this to Die Hard, and I said Elf, and some people already started nodding their heads. Uh, Maybe when you think of the word special, you think of the Rankin-Bass Christmas specials. You know, Rudolph, Frosty, uh, the Island of Misfit Toys, or or maybe it's something more like those one-off things they do where Carol Burnett or, or Betty White, oh wait, sorry, newer generation here, when Miley Cyrus does a Christmas special, right, for all of us to see. Well, for me, I always liked when the TV shows that I was already watching and loving took a moment to do a Christmas special episode. Recently, I started re-watching one show that I had watched uh, about 10 years ago called Community. Uh, And Community has a Christmas special that fits very well with Dan Harmon's meta mind, if you've seen any of his shows. And in this episode, an autistic-coded character named Abed Nadir begins to have a crisis of belief about what Christmas is all about. You see, normally his mom comes to Christmas, and that anticipation and waiting is what it really makes it Christmas to him. But this year, she's not going to be there. And so, as, you know, a weird show like this does... All of a sudden, Abed begins to see everybody in the Rankin-Bass claymation style. And this live-action TV show suddenly becomes claymation as each of the people in this community try to help Abed discover the meaning of Christmas. But here's the twist. The show has already established that each of the people in this group is of a different faith system. You see, you have Troy, who's the Jehovah's Witness, Annie, who's Jewish, Shirley, who's the embodiment of a born-again Christian, and who continually throughout the episodes lets you know that she knows the meaning of Christmas. Why don't you know the meaning of Christmas You have Britta, who's a hardened atheist. You have Jeff, who's a soft and pliable agnostic. And then you have Chevy Chase's Pierce Hawthorne. 
And unlike when Chevy Chase was leading a Christmas vacation, this version of Chevy Chase is a laser lotus Buddhist, which we later find out was just a cult that was duping him for money. And then you have Abed, who's the Muslim character, portrayed as autistic, and going to each of these uh, different expectations of Christmas and everyone else's reality of what Christmas means. And of course, finally, at the end of the episode, you do find out what Christmas means. And it's not what you or I or certainly Shirley would have hoped or expected. You see, according to community, the meaning of Christmas is that Christmas has meaning. Isn't that just warm your hearts? The meaning of Christmas is that Christmas has meaning. In other words, Christmas is what you make of it. This became even more relevant after I initially wrote this message as just the other day I saw a Christmas commercial for Hobby Lobby. And do you know what their Christmas message is? Christmas is what you make of it. Right? So while you may laugh or scoff or feel validated, uh, which, by the way, is kind of that exact mixture the show was going for, it's hard to deny that this season has become whatever we make of it. Christmas has morphed from a time that was meant for peace on earth and goodwill towards men into whatever, right? This is the day that historically there are moments in the greatest wars in history where on this day, both sides called a truce and went out and played soccer together as brothers as opposed to enemies. Now, to give credit to Britta, who is the atheistic voice in the community's rogue gallery, Christmas as a holiday does have its history back to when early Christians saw a pagan festival known as Saturnalia with all its sacrifice and revelry and simply moved the birth of Jesus and its celebration from somewhere in April, as where it likely would have been, to December 25th, to overwrite a day of darkness with a day of light. But what community explores and what we see in it is what happens when that day of light is overrun with darkness, despair, a waiting that just doesn't have an answer at the end of it. So over the next few weeks, we're celebrating Advent together. I know I talked with a few of you last week and you said you had been a believer for some time and not heard the term Advent. What is this season? Well, Advent is meant to be a time of preparation and waiting and longing as we prepare for the birth of Christ. The word Adventus means coming. It's a celebration not just of what is, but what is expected. Now, during the 4th and 5th centuries in Spain and Gaul, Advent took on an additional meaning of, uh, of preparation for the baptisms that would happen around the Feast of Epiphany, the celebration of new life. So as we celebrate the new life of this baby, we also celebrate the new rebirth of those who have followed in Jesus' footsteps. By the 6th century, Roman Christians shifted the focus not to the first coming of Christ, 
but to the second coming. As a reminder that, that Jesus, as he said he would, is, is returning for each of us. But in the understandings of Advent, what is most important is that this symbolizes the time of the church, a season of light where Christ said to go and be the light to the world, a city shining on a hill that you don't put under a basket, that you don't hide, that you don't just remember one time a year, but you let your light shine before all men so they will celebrate Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, himself engulfed in the Second World War and facing the darkness of the Third Reich, once said, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater that is to come. This is what Advent is about. It's a season of waiting, a season of anticipation. And and look, I know that's a struggle. Just the other day, we were talking to my daughter, and, you know, she's eight years old, and she said, okay, Thanksgiving's over, when's Christmas? I was like, you must work for the marketing team at some of these stores. Like, like, except for they're more like, okay, Fourth of July's over, when's Christmas, when's Black Friday? Uh, And I said, well, it's, it's not for another month. She goes, a month? You mean I have to wait a whole month? That's going to be boring. Anticipation can feel boring. It can also bring about a thrill of hope. Because Advent is a reminder of a holy season, a holy night where stars were brightly shining. Because long lay the world in sin and error pining until he returned And the soul felt its worth. Listen, Shema, remember that from the last few weeks. This is a power-packed word, Advent, rejoicing, coming. Because I think this world needs a reminder of hope, right? I think we, we always need it, but in certain seasons, the darkness seems to scream more around us. And that reminder of the light in each other's eyes and the season, even if it spills onto our trees and our houses, is a reminder that the darkness does not overcome. So today, I want to spend a little bit of time as we get ready for the manger, talking about the meaning of this season. So I encourage you to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. By no means is this the text you would normally think of when you think of Christmas. And yet, if we miss this, we miss the meaning. So verse 22 begins like this. The scripture imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise, listen to that word of meaning that word of anticipation so that the promise might be given on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian. But look at this word, until. Until. That's an anticipation word, until Christ so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for through faith we are sons 
of Christ Jesus. For those of you who are baptized, notice that emphasis there, into Christ, have been clothed with Christ. There is now no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. In just a few quick verses in chapter 4, now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, instead he is under guardians and trustees until the time. Notice that anticipation word, until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were slaves under the elements of this world. And when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, God has made you an heir. The meaning of this Advent season is a time of waiting. It's a time of anticipation, not just for presence, but for the true meaning of, of the life that we experience in the gospel, that we are not just saved and restored, we are also, or redeemed, we are also restored to the original relationship God meant for us to have with him. See, Christmas means that the weary world has reason to rejoice. The fullness of this is only hinted at at our songs and Christmas specials. And yeah, some get it a little bit better than others, right? And you can often tell where the heart of the Christmas special is if during the ad break you see or before the ad break you see them holding a can of something or a bag of something very noticeably with the product placement in front of you. It's not about what can be bought and placed under a tree. It's about what Jesus bought and redeemed in you and me on a tree. So why is the world weary? <laughs> well, in the beginning, God created things good, right? This is the beginning of the gospel. It says that God created the world and, and he created it good. And there's fish and trees and there's worlds and planets and stars and oceans. And, and every time God says, this is good, and then he gets to you and me, and he uses the first modifier, the first adjective in all of history. He says, this is very good. And in the beginning, it was. We were the crescendo of God's creative activity. You see, God didn't create humanity out of some lack. You know, lots of people say, oh, God must have created, you know, the world if, if they believe he created anything because he, he lacked something. Usually, he needed someone to worship him so that his ego would be stroked. And yet, in the beginning, in Scripture, we see this, this Godhead, this community that's self-contained and overflowing with love and hope and peace. And it says, out of that overflow, this creator God wanted to pour that into creation. 
And so he poured that into humans created in his image. But then those humans who are created in the image of God to reflect him decided we wanted everything to reflect us. And so we stepped into sin, sickness, and self-rule. We took God off the throne and said, thank you, uh, creator guy. We've got it from here. And that infection of sin, sickness created the darkness around us. Verse 23 said, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. You see, once the infection of sin, sickness took over, we found all sorts of ways to destroy the image of God in others, to destroy creation around us, to create a world of fear and darkness. But into that darkness, it says, shined a light. The anticipation of Advent is that God is here. See, I see people talk out of both sides of their mouth on, on these kind of things. On one side of their mouth, they say, oh, everybody's basically a good person. How could you dare say anybody is broken or wrong or hurt or sinful? And then out of the other side of their mouth, we talk about all the things that are wrong in the world. All the ways that jerk cut us off in traffic. That, that horrible boss ruined our life. That predator, that, that perpetrator, that person. How could they possibly have done such deep, dark things? And so what do we do? We try to create rules, right? We legislate our way out of problems we say, hey, you know what, if, if, if people are going to break that rule, what, why don't we just or, or do this thing? Why don't we just make a rule that says, hey, you can't do that anymore? Years ago, there was this comedian, uh, about 20 years ago, he did a special, and he was talking about this kind of very thing. He was like, uh, you know, what is the point of our laws? Because if you think about it, and I'm a criminal, you know, he's like, you know, I was going to go kill that guy over there, but... Apparently, it's illegal now, so I guess I have to give him gifts. I don't know, right? And so we try self-help books. We try these things that, that legislate, that create rules, that try to control our environment. But the law is never enough. Verse 24, it says, the law was only ever meant to be a guardian until... Notice that word of anticipation, that word of waiting until Christ so that we can be justified by faith. Laws can't legislate the heart. There has to be something more meaningful that can bring that thrill of hope. And so at just the right time, Christ was born in the manger. This then is Christ our King. And when the time came to completion, God sent his Son Born of a woman, but notice also, born under the law. Born into the same struggles that we have. The same attempts to control reality into that world. This sinless son came to redeem us. Why? So that we could receive adoption as sons. See, Christmas means the weary world has reason to rejoice. This is why we give gifts to one another on Christmas. At least partially 
that because obviously for the last hundred years or so, it's also because the stores have done a really good job of advertising to us and tell us that we, we need to fill up our things with stuff that costs money as opposed to meaning. But the meaning behind it is that the birth of Christ leads us to rebirth. What the law was unable to do, Christ did. And even though we tried, oh, how we tried to pull ourselves out of the darkness, every time we slipped farther in, our hearts darkened more. But into that world, the light was born. In the beginning, God created us very good. You were not broken and afraid. You were not created as, as filthy and, and horrible things. You were, you were created good in the image of God. And every single one of us did sin and fall short of the glory of God. But for Christ, born in a manger, died on a tree. And because of that, we are adopted as sons and daughters. And then it says God sent his son. And he sent the spirit into our hearts so that we could cry out, Abba, Father, and no longer be slaves, but children of God. See, the title of this message today is A Thrill of Hope. And I have to ask, when was the last time we really felt a thrill of hope? For Abed in the community Christmas special, he lost hope when his mother abandoned him, when she wasn't going to be there for him. He felt like a lost son, not finding what he was looking for. So he substituted it for Christmas traditions. And yeah, some of the things that we do today, maybe this is you, you come into the season with hurt. And so you throw a bunch of boxes and bows and lights up to try and replace that hurt for just a moment. But as soon as that tree comes down, those problems are still there. And like Abed, you walk away with no real hope. The season of Advent, though, reminds us that there is reason to hope. That into the darkness, this light has shined. That Jesus offers presence and that as he looks to you, he does not see the, the problems and the pain. He sees them, but he, he sees you. He sees the child that he created. And he offers you a chance to come home and experience him. Family, today we get to celebrate the hope of Advent. Each Sunday during Advent, we light a candle. And in this case... It's the candle of hope. One of the phrases we've started to say, you're going to hear it more in this next year, is let hope light the way. Let hope light the way for you and for others to experience God. My prayer is that you rediscover this hope because the message of Scripture, the meaning of the Christmas season is not just a date on the calendar that was put there to overwrite darkness but a hope in our hearts that drives away fear. That in a time of war and unrest, when the world is turned upside down by political bodies wrestling for control, that out in the field were lowly shepherds 
watching over sheep by night, which means they were the night shift. Have you ever been to the night shift? Remember when Walmart was 24 hours or, or you know, wherever you go to the night shift and, and even if the people who are working there are the kindest, most wonderful people, you often see the creatures of the night out. The night shift people, the least likely. And these angels came and said, today in the city of David, a savior is born, Christ the King. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people, that into the darkness light has shined. So what's the darkness that you're facing? And what is it that you're waiting for to save you from that? What is it that you're waiting for this Christmas season? Because what we're waiting for reveals our hope. It reveals our joy. It reveals our source of peace. And this Advent, I want to invite you into a season of waiting for and waiting on Christ. That as the light enters into the world, may that light also enter into your hearts. Because the light of Advent is a new hope. As Mark 12, or Matthew 12, 21 says that the name of Jesus will be the hope of the world. So my daughter and I have been talking, and like I said, she said, but waiting is, is so boring. It's so boring, Dad. Can I have my iPad? No, it's good to be bored. No, it is not good to be bored, Dad. Do you not understand how life works? Bored equals bad. Some of us here would just be happy with bored, right? Bored would be a step up from where we've been. But here's the reality. Boring or not, sitting in a time of waiting shapes us. It's where we learn patience. It's where we learn peace. Oftentimes we think we're going to buy it from the store. Oh, if I just get that, and especially if I can get it on sale, then I'll have what I'm looking for. But the season of Advent is a season of expectation. Waiting, not just in boredom, though it's okay sometimes to be bored. Your brain heals in boredom. But also in expectation that what you're waiting for is not a distant promise, but is actually coming. And so each week throughout this season, we are going to build on these candles. Today is the candle of hope. What is the hope you're waiting for? And how is Jesus bringing that in, even if it's a little slower than you expected, to your life? One of the prayers that we first prayed over this building was that the waters of baptism would be busy. Advent is also a season historically that reminds us of that expectation of new life because what happens after Christmas? We start celebrating New Year's, right? We've marked another day on the calendar. We say, hey, everything starts over. What's different from December 31st to January 1st? It's our idea of expectation. So what if we took that idea of expectation into our hearts and felt the hope that Jesus offers. 
Because we sit on the other side of the manger. So while we get to sit in the meaning, we also get to celebrate the fruit. That because of what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, on the tree, you no longer have to hide from God. He knows you fully and he loves you fully. So if that's your reality, I want to challenge you this Christmas season. Maybe you're ready to step into the waters of baptism. Maybe that anticipation would be that at our our Christmas service or or around New Year's that, that maybe you would take that next step in your journey with Jesus. But maybe you still need that reminder of hope. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to hear this word. Jesus loves you. He knows you fully and he still loves you fully. And because of what he did 2,000 years ago on that tree, you can be restored to God. And the darkness that surrounds you no longer has to live within you. But instead, you can be light to those around. And so as we enter this Christmas season, I want to invite you into a time of reflection. We use that word, respond or reflect. And Oftentimes when we say reflect, what we mean is sit and think about something. But I want to take that to a new thought. What if that season of reflection is more like the reflection of light off a mirror? That you can reflect the light of Christ into the lives of others. So as we respond in worship, I want to invite you to pray. Lord Jesus, may this Christmas not just be filled with trinkets and toys and islands of misfit, broken things, but as you have promised, would you enter into our brokenness? As you did in that first Christmas season that we celebrate, that we have called Christmas to reflect back to the world what you did May we enter into that holy space where we sit in front of the manger and await, wait for that second reappearance. And right now, God, would you remind our souls that although the weary world is around us, you offer a thrill of hope, a peace that doesn't make sense in light of the circumstances surrounding us a sense of your presence. May we not just feel it, may we know it's there today. Remind us that that's not just words, but that it's actually what you want to do in our hearts. And if we have any hurts, habits, or hang-ups that we are putting in the way and saying, God, you can't, you can't come here, you can't, you can't be around me because of this, would you remind us that you know all those things and you still want to come into our presence? Jesus, we thank you and we love you in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Altitude Church Message of the Week. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard today, be sure to leave us a review. That one thing makes it easier for more people like you to find our podcast. Thanks again for listening today.